Welcome to Happy Snappin', the podcast where we explore the world of photography with innovative, inspiring, and positive creatives. I'm your host, James. Thank you for listening today. In this episode, I'm talking to Emily, who's otherwise known as Micro Four Nerds on her YouTube channel, Instagram. And we talk about affordable older cameras, something that both of our channels talk about. We talk about some of these international photo trips she's been able to go on this year and how she's been able to go on so many, what that's done for her photography. And then we also talk about her journey going from a wedding photographer to now a full-time content creator on YouTube, which I think is a really interesting conversation. Emily is a talented photographer and has a wonderful, positive personality. So I think you'll really enjoy this conversation. Emily, welcome to the show. Thank you so much for coming on. Thank you for having me. Yeah. I'm so excited that you uh, agreed to join. So many, um, so people will message me all the time and they'll be like, check out Micro Four, Thir- Micro Four Nerds channel. Like I'm already subscribed. <laughs> so it's funny, but it is funny. There is a little crossover in our audiences. That's fun. Yeah, it is. I love so, watching your videos. You're, every time I watch your videos, I want to buy something. Buy something random and old yeah. and crappy. <laughs> yeah, I don't know. Kind of all over the place. At least you have, we'll talk, I'll, I'll ask you some questions about your channel because I'm curious, but about your direction and your focus because that's really interesting my channel has like kind of gone all over the place but um for people who don't already know who you are which is probably just a few people um could you tell us a little bit about yourself and what you do yeah so i'm emily lowry my channel is micro four nerds i'm a, a micro four thirds enthusiast as the name might suggest i love a good pun but i'm also really just excited about tiny cameras older cameras and sort of just like getting the best that you can out of equipment that doesn't necessarily cost the earth. I find that very exciting. Yeah, I, I totally agree. Cause I, and I don't know how you arrived to that, but I remember, I don't know. I just, I was just stuck in this like group of people online that were always chasing the latest and greatest gear and just kind of making it sound like that was the only way to take good photos. And so basically if you posted a photo and you're like, can I get some critical, like some critiques and feedback? And they're like, upgrade your camera. <laughs> like that was the only solution. <laughs> so yeah, I agree. It's super fun to like either to challenge yourself or just see that for not very much, you can get some great stuff out there. 100%. Yeah. Yeah. how do you come up with the name micro four nerds? Cause every time I see that, I'm like, dang it, <laughs> that's such a good name. <laughs> I'm not quite sure. I, I, I do enjoy a good pun. And it occurred to me that it would be a really good sticker. And I, I have like a little sticker maker and I put it on oh, cool. like my laptop or something. And I was like, that'd be a really good name for a YouTube channel. Yeah. No, that's really clever. Yeah, yeah that's really good. Uh, did um, did you start with photography first or videography or how did you first start getting into cameras? So always photography first for me. Um it came largely from wanting to sort of document when I was going traveling uh, with friends and family. And then when I got the GH5 in 2017, it sort of coincided with me wanting to put uh, videography into my wedding business and also the start of my YouTube channel. So my GH5 absolutely changed my life forever. It's my favorite camera in the world. (laughs) That's awesome. I've never had a GH series camera, even the older ones I haven't. I've always been tempted to pick up one of the older ones just for fun, but they do seem really good. I'm shooting with the Panasonic G85. I also shot with the Panasonic G7. So these are like budget level kind of, um, but they're awesome. So I feel pretty. And then the lens lineup, maybe we'll talk about that later, but Micro Four Thirds lenses are incredibly underrated. Definitely. Um, so, okay. So you're mentioning your 
uh, wedding uh, photography, videography business back in 2017. So uh, you don't have to disclose this all the way, but you're pretty young. So were you like, how old were you when you had this business? <laughs> I so love that you think I'm young. <laughs> Okay, I've but... been a full-time wedding photographer since 2012. And um, yeah, I started sort of in my early 20s, I want to say. Yeah, I must have been. Yeah. Um, and yeah, I've been doing that solidly. And now I'm sort of shifting more into uh, YouTube and content creation and, and sort of pulling back from weddings a little bit and actually getting some weekends back. <laughs> Yeah. Yeah. I've heard that weddings can be a grind. <laughs> I've heard that. Was that what you originally wanted to do? Like growing up, were, were you drawn to that or did you pursue something else first as a business or a job? So I did um, my degree in uh, music technology and sound design. And oh, interesting. I, I sort of fell into photography through sort of documenting my band and documenting my travels. And I've never been fixed on what I wanted to be be when I grow up all I've ever said in any of those conversations is I want to do something that I love and I enjoy mm -hmm. and that's like the you know that's what everyone wants as cliche as it is so yeah that's how I sort of came upon this career path I was like yeah I love photography I would do it for free all day every day and if people want to pay me that's a wonderful bonus that's even better yeah I I like that because I think people trap themselves in things. So you might pursue something, whether creatively, create, creatively or as a job or whatever, and then that becomes like who people know you, like you're this thing. But it's so easy that, um, I don't know, as humans and creatives, it's I think it's super natural to kind of your interests change over time a little bit. So whether you're more interested in weddings and then it kind of shifts more to these other things. And to allow yourself to do that is so freeing and don't like ever trap yourself in a box of like what people know you online as or know you in person as. Yeah, I think um, one thing I've struggled with as a photographer and, and being in the YouTube space is I don't think I've ever really discovered my own photography niche. I'm just sort of the kind of photographer that's like, I just want to try everything. It all seems so yeah, fun. Yeah. Let me do astrophotography. Let me take portraits. Let me go and do some street photography. So, yeah, I just I run around like a kid in a candy store when it comes to photography. I've not quite found the one thing that I love the most yet. Sure. Have you ever felt like that's held you back at all as far as success, not sticking to one particular genre to be known for? I do wonder, I do wonder, you know, if you could sort of have like, um, you know, like a, an alternate timeline <laughs> yeah. where it's like all I did for the last sort of 10, 15 years is street photography or all I did was portraiture. I wonder if I would be better off or worse off. Yeah, I, I don't know either. I don't have the answer to that. I, I no. find myself in the same boat. So I, you know, I was like super into wildlife like two years ago. Then we moved. I find where I live kind of like changes in the circumstances in my life. So we, we just had our third child. So now I'm like homebound all the time. So it like really changes what you photograph and, and letting go of like, I used to be really into landscape and I'm like, I'm a landscape photographer. I only go out and go out at sunset and take pictures of a mountain. And if that's not there, I'm not taking pictures, but I found freeing myself and like whatever's available. Like now I'm doing a macro and now I'm on a macro kick or whatever. Um, so I do prefer that, but I do wonder the same thing. Like, cause then I think people online just expect you to be a certain type of photographer and they get kind of confused when you just post whatever yeah it's so true particularly on instagram as well like, <laughs> yeah 
because I, I went to, I was, I was looking to go on safari this year and I've never been massively into wildlife photography, but I've been going to bird hides and I've been getting into it and my friends are really into it. And then I just did sort of three or four weeks of just posting that. And I think, oh, hello. <laughs> that was cool. <laughs> I've got a fancy webcam. So yeah. if I have too many hand gestures, it's like, Little zoom let's in, zoom yeah. in. Nice. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. So I think um, I, I've got an expectation now. People think she's the wildlife lady it's like no two weeks later i'll be doing something completely sure. different yeah yeah or yeah so same with instagram or youtube because just this is how social media works somebody sees something that might be the first time they've ever seen something from you and they're like yeah. oh man i love that picture of the safari stuff that she was doing i'm going to follow this safari photographer and then like two weeks later you're posting something else they're like what the heck um and that'll happen with my youtube videos too i'll get like people subscribe to me for one thing and then like i'm like posting all sorts of other things but um, I, but I think it's good as a creative. I think it's, I think it's very healthy. And if, if ever someone feels like they then settle into something, then go after that as well. But I don't know, I just go after whatever you're interested in and inspired on at the time, I think is really important. I totally agree. And I think it makes you a more well-rounded photographer as well. Like sure. getting to grips with astrophotography taught me a lot about low light for street photography and mm. getting to grips with how to compose pleasing portraiture has helped with any other sort of avenues that I've gone down. And I think it all sort of having all those things in your toolbox is really important as a photographer. Yeah. I was just listening to uh, Rick Rubin's The Creative Mind or something. I can't remember. He, he, so he released this book. He's a, a music producer for those that don't know. And in this book, he talks about the, he's just talking about creativity generally but he talks about this idea that you really need to hone creatives really need to hone the ability to take inspiration from anywhere and so with what you're saying i think that's really powerful that if you'd start dabbling in other types of photography it might actually make your core interest even better like all of a sudden your portraits become way more interesting because you started to notice some things with um, street or landscape or whatever that has then or just focused on like abstract or something and then it'll just make your stuff more creative and more you or whatever yeah i mean I, i've drawn a lot of parallels from this personally recently because i've been doing a little bit of audio mixing we've been recording some uh songs at home oh, and cool. because that was my background initially that was like i i realized that you know you you emphasize what you want to emphasize you take out the distractions when it comes to music editing and that's exactly how i attack editing photographs you know, using sort of uh, graduated filters to sort of hone the eye into certain places using colors. And, and it's very interesting how transferable a lot of creative skills mm. are once you've sort of wrapped your head around it. Yeah, yeah, I like that. Even seeing beyond just trying different genres of photography, just different creative interests as well will make you more well-rounded creative. I think that's absolutely true. Um, by the way, your photography is awesome. I'm super jealous when I see your Instagram posts because I, um, I'll put myself in the category of people who are on YouTube who talk about cameras who are not very good photographers. So I, I, I try, <laughs> thank you. I try, uh, I try not to be horrible, like, <laughs> but I'm definitely not great. So I, cause I, I would just feel really bad if I was terrible, terrible, but, um, but I was like, your photos are awesome. You are a really good photographer and, and your editing style is really interesting. Um, extremely colorful, but like you were saying, that's interesting. You bring out like, um, minimizing 
So if there's like a distraction or stuff, so like highlighting the things you want to highlight, removing distractions and things like that. Um, cause I do see that a lot. There's like a lot of, um, uh, like different color combinations and stuff so that we're dealing with like complementary colors or something to highlight something or just contrast changes anywhere. I, I think it's really good. It looks really cool. Oh, thank you so much. I think that that means a lot because, uh, you know, the, the nature of the YouTube game sometimes means that you do a lot of product reviews. But mm -hmm. I was always a photographer first. And I'm, I'm, yeah, that, that's great. Thank you. Yeah. Yeah. And for, and for my audience to defend myself, I, I just like talking about cameras. Okay. I just, I try to make sure that in my videos, I don't come off as like trying to say like, I'm here because I'm the best photographer. <laughs> no, I'm just here because I like, I'm, I'm one of you. I'm just out here talking about cameras. Can <laughs> uh, we talk a little bit about your YouTube channel? So you talked about uh, you got your G80, G80, GH5 back in 2017, um, started adding more video into your work and then started wanting to document and start this YouTube stuff. So when did the YouTube channel start and what, what has that journey been like from then to now? So I was originally in... Um you know, as we discussed, you know, get the next camera, get the best next camera. And yeah. I was down the Sony train and I was just shooting on the very first mirrorless, the original A7. Mm -hmm. And it was ridiculously expensive. Like a 50 mil prime was like a grand and a half. It made me feel sick. And I ended up uh, getting the Pen F and then I bought the Lumix G7 for £200 off display. And I took these two little cameras on holiday and I was, I came back and I was like, these photographs are amazing. And I thought, I want to document my experience on YouTube, going from all this fancy, fancy gear into sort of more affordable stuff. Because it blew my mind that like the G7 back in the day, I got it for £200 secondhand and you could shoot 4K on it. You could do all kinds of time yeah, and, lapses. And amazingly underrated. Yeah. Incredible. Yeah. Very good camera. Yeah. So the the whole channel sort of evolved from there. And I've, every time I pick up a new little camera, because I do like portable cameras very much, mm. I like to integrate them in my everyday life. And every time I pick up something new, I'm like, how does this do this? It's tiny. It's so yeah. cool. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> and isn't that interesting? Have you noticed that? Um, maybe less now, but it seemed to be back a couple of years ago. And maybe this was like part of your rebellion to then go on YouTube and be like, no, these cameras are good. But it just seemed like Micro Four Thirds, but even other cameras too, were always written off if they didn't have whatever the latest, but they latest spec or whatever. But they never, it almost seemed like this form factor was like not even a plus. Like, you know what I mean? Like, or just ease of use or like, I just noticed that a lot. Like, anything that's actually practical that somebody might just like, like, I just like using this camera. I like holding it. It's not heavy. I like the lenses. They're not heavy. <laughs> I like the buttons. They're in a good spot. It has a great grip. Those things can get written off and all they focus on is like really nice specs. But then you're left with these cameras that are high end, like not fun to use, not fun to carry. <laughs> Have yeah. you noticed that? And really, really, really clinical as well. I yeah. feel like a lot of the more high end cameras just, I don't know. You, you could you could be so off with your exposure and your white balance and just fix everything in editing. It almost takes a lot of the art of of trying to get the best out of your equipment out of it. That make me that might make me a purist. I don't know. <laughs> no, I I I think I know what you mean. Yeah, there is. Yeah, I I think a lot of us, definitely myself, I relate to that, and a lot of I think probably all my audience and maybe yours as well. But just we want to hang on to as that kind of joy and just fun of photography as much as possible as well and hold on to our craft like we're the creator not the camera and 
And um, anyway, yeah, so I think there is something to that. There is, because I do think there are like different, we can talk about cameras and how good they are from different angles. Like there might, different people's use cases are going to be totally different. But for me we, and you, you and I, we like to go out and enjoy photography. Like that's our, our hobby. It's not just our job versus somebody who like at, at my work, they, we have a um, photographer, but they have a, a really nice Nikon that's just on a tripod in a studio and you come in and get your headshot for your badge. Like that's a totally different use case and type of photography than what we're doing. And so I think it's helpful to talk about cameras from all those different kind of perspectives. Yeah, I totally agree. I mean, I've, I've shot a fair few weddings on Micro Four Thirds and you absolutely can. I think people get oh, yeah. really bogged down with, with the sensor size wars. Mm -hmm, but for yeah. my professional work, just because I do charge a premium in my area, I do take you know my s5 mark ii my s5 mark ii x i do shoot full frame for certain professional work because i feel like i owe it to the client to have the best tool for the job i could do it on micro four thirds but having a little bit of wiggle room in in your dynamic range and your low light performance without having to think about it too much sure makes me able to focus on composition etc no but totally for all my I, own yeah. personal stuff tiny cameras all the way yeah yeah 100 that does make total sense yeah, or like I don't really care about dual card slots most of the time. But yeah, in like a very like if I was we're doing paid work and everything had to be perfect, I would care about it. Yeah. Do, would you <laughs> have you ever done this, or do you think if you showed up to a shoot with your like red, I don't even know which one it was, <laughs> one of your red Panasonics or Olympus or whatever it was, if you Most showed up with that like monstrosities. Yeah. <laughs> You think they would be like, we're not getting our money's worth? <laughs> yeah, do you know, I had that once with the Pen F when I was doing some event photography. Um, people were just kind of saying, is that a real camera? I'm like, yes, it's a blooming real camera. Look at yeah. what it can take and look at yeah, the portfolio. Isn't that interesting? Yeah. yeah, isn't that so interesting how, like, yeah, it's like they ignore the result because of the camera. <laughs> yeah, I, so strange. I, I, um, my roots are in Pentax, which is... Um, one of the wonderful brands that gets made fun of a lot. I guess in Micro Four Thirds world, there we're used to also being made fun of. Um, yeah, people just poke up. So. Yeah, so you'll get this. So people make fun of Pentax. So, but I would have that happen all the time, and maybe you did it have as well, where people will. I will. This is literally how it goes. I'll show them a picture. They'll be like, "That is incredible. What camera did you take it with?" Like that even matters. But and then I tell them it's a Pentax, and then it's like the photo is horrible now, and you need a new camera. I'm like, what the heck? <laughs> like what? Or even yeah. like maybe the photo is not horrible anymore, but they still I still need a new camera. They're like, oh man, you'd be way better off. I was like, I thought you liked it. <laughs> oh, do you know I love the Pentax Q. I should probably know. I've uh, intermittently just do loads of videos on that camera because it's so cool. And I went to Valencia earlier in this year, and I shot nothing but the Pentax Q. And they're oh, cool. actually some of my favorite photos of the entire year. And yeah. if you put them against like, you know, anything else I've done for the rest of the year, you wouldn't know. You absolutely right. wouldn't know. Right. Yeah, that that little camera is surprisingly good, that little sensor. Mm -hmm. Yeah, but it just, yeah, it just goes to show. Yeah, the sensor size war, it's kind of annoying. It is interesting. I'll post videos. I can't think of one right off my bat, but it'll be interesting. People will say like, really love this camera but wish it was full frame or really yeah. i love this i'm like do you like what part do you think would like change if that happened and, and that's not to say like sensor size obviously does things it's not like just a made-up marketing mumbo jumbo but at the end of the day most of the time like are you really you're not gonna 
know what sensor size it was taken on. No. My, my theory on the matter is, if you're in a scene that has that little light, you're probably not going to get a good photo anyway. You'd <laughs> sure. be better off like adding in your own light or changing your position or changing your composition before you moaned about the camera. Right. Yeah. And then interesting how um, as my... I, as I kind of matured a little bit more in photography, it used to always be like, okay, on to the next camera, on to the next camera. And then I realized that it matters, like lenses matter way more anyway. So if I am encountering a problem that I feel like my skill can't quite resolve, it's, it's like probably a lens thing as well. Yeah. More than a camera. What are some of your favorite Micro Four Thirds lenses? Because I'll just preface this, this with, I think Micro Four Thirds lenses are like by far the most underrated part about Micro Four Thirds cameras. So they're small, which is a huge deal. People don't talk about this enough because that just that just matters so much. If you're carrying, if you want to carry a kit that has an ultra wide, a telephoto and whatever, you can fit that in just the smallest package and they're super light. And then they're just at like everyone I've used so far. That's a brand name like Panasonic has just been super sharp, um, like just wonderful bokeh, wonderful colors. I mean, just like joys to use. So I'm curious what some of your favorite lenses are right now. Yeah, you're, you're so right. Because the sensor is relatively small, it's so pixel dense. You have to have mm, incredibly mm -hmm. good lenses. Like if you stick a full frame lens on a micro four third sensor, it shows all of the optical imperfections. So you have to have really, really good glass on this system. And people don't tend to notice that. And yeah, I, I shout that from the rooftops. My favorite at the moment is the uh, Lumix Leica 25mm f1.4. Okay. I took that to do some street photography around LA and Seattle last week. Oh, that was only a week ago. <laughs> yeah. That's crazy. Yeah. Um, I, do, I do gravitate towards the prime lenses. Um, I really like the Olympus 17 mil as well. Oh, okay, that's, I've seen that one. I have not picked it up, but it looks cool. well loved on my yeah. camera. I've got dints in it, and yeah, it's been all over the place. Oh, very nice. Yeah, I have the um, the Panasonic the nine millimeter f 1.7 that's what i'm actually filming this on right now fantastic wide angle Such lens. A good like lens. just amazing oh, yeah. lens. and if you consider the price yeah. and what you're getting pretty amazing um, but even yeah even like the cheaper like the just the cheap 14 millimeter f 2.8 awesome um i've had the or it's not even f 2.8 that one's i can't remember what the speed that one is anyway but yeah i've just used some amazing lenses so very happy with that. It's interesting though. I so I have a lot of cameras. Clearly, um, that's not even the half of it. But that's just the ones on display. I, I am downsizing. I have been successfully selling, and 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 we're getting in a better spot. But uh, interestingly enough, I I just have the Panasonic G eighty five right now. And this is my only Micro Four Thirds camera. So I'm like, Ooh. because I've just been down other shoots for a while. I haven't come back, but I will definitely be venturing back into some of these affordable because you go on to a website like mpb or kh or something there's so many you can buy for under 100 bucks yeah the, the value that you can get from the system is crazy particularly if you've already invested in the lenses mm -hmm, that's right. how i ended up with like i've, I've got 35 i think on my shelf oh, nice. you're putting me to shame was it about 50 that you had did you say yeah I, honestly i just threw that number out there i thought <laughs> I do have an Excel sheet, but I went back the other day to check it. I was like, I'm pretty sure I haven't updated this in a while. So that's kind of bad. But yeah, and we're all and lately I've been particularly into some very odd old digital cameras that are not. So my channel like yours is kind of like 
a lot of it is here's what you can do with a cheaper camera. And that idea is so exciting and, and just nerding out too. I nerd out about stuff. But lately I've been like in these absurd old cameras that I'm like, I do not recommend this to anyone. <laughs> this is not cheap. These are rare and expensive and I just happen upon them and they're broken and I fix them or, you know, so it's kind of, but I'm going to venture back into this affordable photography <laughs> genre eventually. Yeah. It's okay. interesting. I mean, so I've, I've started collecting some CCD uh, sensor cameras and yeah. some, you know, four megapixel cameras and there's a mm -hmm. big sticker on the front. Oh, right. Yeah. And um, yeah, it's so interesting. And the characteristics of those sensors are so nice. But it is like you've got your micro four thirds that tend to be quite budget. But then if you go back further, it's sort of there's more of a premium on some of the older ones now. Yeah. And I wonder if your channel has had. had... <laughs> yeah. Yeah. I wonder so if I... like channels like yours has had something to do with that. I don't know if you saw, I made a video about um, that, exactly that, the rising prices of. And I actually found a tool on eBay that allows you to like use a search term and see what has actually sold, not what was listed, but what was actually sold over like a two year period. And I showed how like there's this, this King JVPES. I don't know if you know his channel and I don't know how you yes. say that. King Jipes or. Yeah, I know what you mean. Yeah. Does, does he do a lot of street photography and film? I think that is. Yeah. Yeah. genre and uh he made a video that went like five hundred thousand views on this old canon and i showed how the graph exactly correlated to the release date that that camera jumped from 20 bucks to like 100 bucks um, so there's definitely something going on um and especially with some of these cameras that are harder to find the um, yeah. inventory gets exhausted really quick and that artificially raises the price so yeah occasionally on older like if I've, I've got a six months old video and it's about a micro four thirds camera i'll occasionally get an angry comment where it's like why did you make a video yeah, on it yeah, there's yeah. none not available it's like well there was when i it made was the video. There, yeah or it was 20 bucks when i <laughs> <laughs> yeah. yeah i think um uh, matthias burling which a lot of people know on youtube does like older camera stuff um yeah and he he would always say in his video and i say this as well like um have fun learning about the camera, maybe find it, maybe it's the right camera for you. But the idea is more that like go out there and find your own inexpensive camera, because while that particular model could go up in value and people buy it or whatever, like there is so many out there that we are not talking about. So the idea is the same. You just like find, like go find the other one that's still cheap. Like if you have a tight budget or whatever, yeah, they're out there. Yeah, yeah but, I love his channel. He's so cool. Yeah, he is. I'd love to, I love to get him on this podcast. I keep meaning to email him. I know he, he had a child and got busy, so and I know what that's like. So I don't know. I don't know if, but I'll try to ask him. That would be awesome to pick his brain. Um, let's talk about some of these trips you've been going on this year because I think that's incredible. So you mentioned the safari, so you can talk about that because um, these are trips that were. Um, in partnership with companies, maybe you can tell us about that. And then recently you also went to uh, the United States to LA for a uh, Lumix related event. Yeah. Um, so I started off Japan this time last year where I went for the S5 Mark II launch awesome. with Lumix and that blew my tiny mind. And um, from that point, I think it's really had a little bit of a bump in my channel, to be honest. So it's, it's sometimes less that people pay me to go to these places, but I may be able to do sponsored videos while I'm out there. So in gotcha. the case of, of of Kenya, it was a completely personal trip, but I was like, well, maybe I could do an MPB sponsored video, or maybe I could do a video about the G9 Mark II while I'm out there. And it just worked out really well. 
that it's sort of I've been able to travel quite a lot this year it's been really cool I just recently come back from the first ever Lumix collective event uh, in California and it just a, a big group of, of all the, the American, primarily American creators, but we were from all over the world, just got together and we had a scavenger hunt and had nerdy fun with our cameras. It was really good fun. That is really fun. What was the, what was, what's like that goal of that, like Lumix's goal with that? So I think they really want to just nurture the relationships that they have with the creators and sort of say mm-hmm. thank you and just... All we had to do was make a vlog about the the trip. So it's not even as though we were promoting a new shiny camera or anything. Gotcha, yeah. It was more just to show the community. I think I think Sony is very good at that. They do sort of camera camp every year. Hmm. And I think it's maybe something along the lines of just, you know, valuing the creators. Because it's weird, isn't it? Like when we started photography, you would look in a magazine or a, a local store, and now I think people get 90% of their information from YouTube. Yeah. So it has definitely yeah. shifted, and I think it's just sort of nurturing those sorts of relationships. Yeah, that's cool. I do think that's a really good business decision on their part because I see um, – yeah, because it's like free advertising when you have someone who's passionate about something and willing to talk about it essentially for free because you just like it. But then to at least help them, support them so they can continue doing that is I, I, I think that's super smart on the company's side. What did you I like? And um, I think it's. Oh, go ahead. I was going to say, I think it's so much better than having an ambassadorship mm, because as much as I like Lumix, I shoot Olympus, I shoot OM System, I shoot Fuji, I shoot anything I fancy. And I'd hate to just be like, oh, I'm contracted by one brand, mm-hmm. so I can't actually talk about anything. And if Lumix do something that I think's stupid, like when they had the G100 with no eye bit in it, I will shout from the rooftops about how stupid they are. And I think it's a much more authentic relationship. Mm-hmm. It's not bribery. It's just support. Yeah, that's a really interesting point you brought up. Yeah, because I, I think for a while I thought you were an ambassador. I guess because it's just in my mind whenever someone talks about something a lot, I just, maybe some people used to think I was a Pentax or, I mean, they probably don't because Pentax doesn't have, they actually do have a couple ambassadors, but they basically do no advertising, but that is really interesting. And that's cool that you've found that spot. Cause that is, I know for, for me as well, making videos and stuff, I would feel way more, way more healthy in that spot to be able to just say whatever I wanted, use whatever camera I wanted. Yeah. It's much better. So this year has been full of trips for you. Do you feel like you've learned anything about your photography because of those trips? I think so. I think what is interesting is you get different backdrops, different landscapes to work with, and it's just all about chasing the light 90% of the time. Hmm. And it's nice to know that whatever location I've found myself in, it is just the fundamental things that I've always leaned upon for photography to get the good results. But I must admit, it it really does showcase sort of where I live immediately is not the most photogenic place in the world. (laughs) I think, you know, places in Europe and places that I've been this year and Kenya, oh my goodness, it was so pretty. You know, I do think some photographers have an unfair advantage if they have a very scenic place on the doorstep which I don't unfortunately yeah and I think um yeah I have lots of thoughts about that because I used to live in more scenic places then we moved to southern Texas which was there were some like hills but um it was not very green 
and there are no mountains and I don't know. There's just, it was totally different to me. And at first I was like, this is very more deserty. I do not find this attractive and not even like pretty desert. There's pretty deserts out there. I don't know. It was really hard for me. So, um, but then it kind of like, I think if you leave your, have open eyes and start to notice things, it'll kind of, especially if you have an open mind that you can kind of move around through genres of photography. Um, so then I ended up getting a lot more into wildlife photography. And it's really interesting how that worked out because had I not been really paying attention and noticing, I would not have noticed certain species of birds and like kind of figured out where they were at and started tracking this down more than eventually I was on this whole owl kick where I found out where these owls live and I would just visit them and visit them. And people would ask me about, they're like, oh man, you're so lucky you got owls around you. And I just thought, I was like, that's really interesting because when I moved here, I didn't know there was owls here. I thought I was unlucky because there's no mountains here. So I think to some extent, you can find wherever you live, something that becomes your thing or is just an interesting, unique thing about your area or I don't know. I think I'm just always encouraging people to kind of like look out and see. Yeah, I, I think you are right. I think I've been a little bit unfair. I mean, I'm lucky enough to be sort of 40 minutes away from Liverpool, which is a beautiful city. And yeah, the last thing I'd ever want to sort of promote is sort of you need to go on an expensive trip to be a good photographer because you absolutely don't. Even like this time of year, I tend to just hibernate, hibernate and yeah, shoot. That's what I'm like, planning to do. <laughs> in, indoor photography, yeah. like macro photography, high speed sync photography. Um, yeah, if you're creative and you want to, you can always find good compositions for sure. Yeah, but I do think I do think going on the trips is is also a really healthy, important thing. And especially when um, if you're thinking about, I know I'm going to have this kind of money coming up, or maybe I've saved up this kind of money instead of immediately jumping on the, that there's that lens I always wanted, or there's that camera body I've always wanted to upgrade to, to at least consider the kind of how you could use that for an experience. Um, because I have noticed every time that I've invested in that, I have like by far that has been way better for not just for my photography, but just for my like overall health. Like I just enjoy it so much more than had I just bought like the next piece of gear. Um, I do also notice that I buy more gear when I'm not spending time. There's almost like this trick in your brain that's like, oh, I want to be out taking pictures. I can't because of I'm super busy or I live in this place. And then and your brain like tricks you like, oh, if you buy gear, that's like going out and taking pictures. Like you're doing your hobby. And then all of a sudden you're like, <laughs> wait, I just keep buying stuff, but I'm not like going out and doing anything. So uh, yeah, definitely. I still encourage, definitely still encourage investing in experiences and trips. Oh yeah, I I think that that is it's it's completely transformed my outlook on life traveling so much. I, I mean, my first very, my very first trip where I've never been anywhere aside from like the UK was when I got married in Vegas, and we did uh, the Grand Canyon. We did I did a bungee jump, oh and cool, yeah. skydive, and you know we did all the cool stuff. We did uh, horseshoe bend, all the usual suspects. Yeah, awesome. And I just came back and was like, oh my goodness, there is a whole wide world out there. And that's all I want to see. And that's how I just sort of went from someone who just didn't travel and didn't do anything to just never stopping. <laughs> yeah, that's awesome. Yeah, definitely <laughs> encourage it. That's great. So I did want to talk about um, this relationship you have with both being kind of a gear nerd, but also being this creative artist. Um, do you ever find that those two things come into conflict do you think you're more of a nerd or more of an artist well, that's a good question 
I think that technology in general, photography and videography technology, just inspires me more than anything. Like I've recently uh, invested in the Pocket Three. You know, not oh, often. That looked, that looked excellent. Yeah, yeah. yeah I'm really not good. one to fall for these. You know, the embargo days, and you get 50 videos of the same thing yeah, appear yeah, on yeah. YouTube feed. But that one seems genuinely innovative and really, really cool. Yeah. And taking it on the trip recently because I don't like filming myself in public too much. Yeah, no, I would. I'll never. do it. <laughs> I'm too I don't like it. Yeah. So I, I, you know, actually having that as a tool. A, a, a new innovation where I don't have to have a massive camera and a massive microphone and look like a target. Mm -hmm. I can now carry this tiny little thing. It's almost like the technology has fueled my creativity mm. in a way. Uh, but yeah, I think I'm, I'm creative first. I'd like to think if I took all of my shiny bells and whistles away, I would go out with anything and still yeah. take photographs. Yeah, that's great. Do you, what's the kind of the, future of your channel for this next year do you have any goals for it i do i do i want to i want to commit to less sponsorship videos i think i want to do more tips and tricks i feel like i am sort of going down the the the, the product review avenue a little bit too deeply and i don't want that to take away from the fact that it was always supposed to be photography tips and mm -hmm. i went out with this 50 year old lens and here's the cool stuff that i got with it and i don't ever want to you know sell out and be sort of lady embargo day <laughs> i'd much rather just continue to be a photography nerd i'm also in the process of scripting and, and filming some workshops as well oh, cool. uh, I, th I think particularly i want to do one on on composition to help beginners get a stronger uh, a photography eye and also editing i think i think i'm a, a bit of an editing nerd so i want to sort of make a little workshop around that as well at some point yeah that'd be really valuable how do you deal with the fact that those sorts of like tip videos and content um doesn't do nearly as well as gear reviews <laughs> or have you, you are noticed that? <laughs> oh you're so right you are so right um I've, I've tried all kinds of things, pa packaging them as though it is about the gear when it's when mm -hmm. I'm really just trying to spoon feed people some tips because that's actually what will help them rather than the gear. But I think the workshops for me are the answer. I think mm -hmm. there are people that are interested and understand that it's not gear that makes you a better photographer. It's learning X, Y, and Z. It's learning how to edit. It's learning. It's just getting out there and using your equipment fundamentally. And I'm thinking maybe, you know, workshop is that avenue gear stuff can be my shop front for that it's like sure. if you'd like to learn more yeah here you go but also look at the shiny new camera <laughs> yeah because yeah i agree i think because there are people come all the time um to me and i know for you too i'm sure asking for those kind of tips like how do i do this how do i do this so that's definitely a need but it is almost like the people who go out and because you're kind of serving like all these audiences when you talk about gear. You got kind of beginners, but you also got advancing just people that are just like, I already know how to do all this stuff, but I just like want to watch and hear about this thing or whatever. So I think that's maybe why those do better. Or or maybe it's like the people sitting around in their office board and they can't go out and take pictures. So they just like want to feel like photography. I, that idea of packaging is really interesting. So I think James, I forgot his last name, it starts with a P, um, but his oh, YouTube channel. Yes. He, um, I think he does a really good job of this. So I've noticed, I've never talked to him personally 
other through the, just to the YouTube comment section, but he has, um, he'll have like a picture of just like a camera, but if you go into it, it's usually much less about the actual camera than it is just photography. And it's, he documents it really well. So it is funny. It's almost like tricking people to get in there and be like, aha, I got you. Now I'll give you something that you really want, which is like the experience of photography and learning. Um, yeah, it's so true. I love his channel and I think he's such a great and down to earth teacher. Yeah. And yeah, I, I think he is great. And I think he's cracked that formula of, you know, maybe drawing people in because he's got the newest camera in the thumbnail, but really is actually just trying to make everyone a better photographer. Right. Yeah. It's so funny how that works. Yeah. So my, um, this podcast that I started is mostly an excuse for me to talk to cool people like you, Emily, but I think also to encourage this kind of idea. So on the side, so I can serve kind of both audiences, like we can just talk about gear, but also there's an audience that just wants to hear from other creatives and like know that we're all going through the similar problems and um, how we're solving them and just kind of be feel inspired and stuff. Um, so that's part of it. And then even in my other videos, I'm trying to be more, um, I want to tell like interesting stories. So less than um, just like, here's a, here's a camera and it's cool. There's definitely going to be that because I get like really hyper nerd out about certain things. And I find them super cool. So there's that kind of story, I guess. But then just other kind of stories. Like I want to go from here is this, this idea, this goal, this photography goal. And like, here's the gear I'm using for it. And here's like what I'm trying to achieve, this kind of ambitious thing. And here's the story of how I go about it. I think that would be pretty cool. Um, so I have some ideas and videos in the works that are related to that. Um, as well. So that's interesting that both you and I kind of are feeling that too. Like don't really want to just review cameras all the time. <laughs> yeah. I mean, I do, I do love it. I do. I'm yeah. genuinely yeah, passionate yeah. about it, but at the same time, I don't like the, the whole point of my channel was here is affordable stuff. I'm doing relatively high end stuff with this affordable stuff. And I don't ever want to be, you know, buy the next camera, buy the next camera, because that's literally the opposite of what I intended. Yeah, I did also want to mention for those who are listening and ask you about it. Recently, you published two really cool videos. They're actually kind of different, but um, one was a photography adventure you went on with your father, I think. Did I get that right? Okay. Yeah. And um, that was just, that was just cool and inspiring and heartwarming. There's a whole story behind that adventure. So I encourage people to go out and watch that. I think that's an inspiring video and a cool story. And then um, the other video you had recently that I thought was really interesting and different was um, talking about your own journey to becoming a full-time um, content creator. Is that the label you'd use? I can't remember what yeah. you said. Content. Yeah. I know. It always changes because like, I don't want to be called a YouTuber. That, that name doesn't sound cool anymore. <laughs> but uh, and, and I'm not. I have a full-time job. But um but I encourage people to go out and watch that video too. anyone who's interested in like trying to figure out the business of photography, because in that video, you talk about how you um, you're doing professional photography and you're doing content creation. And um, you mentioned how it's cool to have both of those going on, because then as you talk about gear, you're coming at it from a perspective of someone who's actually making money using it in a professional sense. So really good video. I encourage anyone to go out and watch that. And I'll, I'll just ask you like, um, so going back to the beginning, you started off, started saying, I'll document stuff on YouTube. Uh, did you ever think you'd get to the point where you are now where it's starting to, it's paying the, paying your bills? Never, never. It was more because I was such um, a full-time wedding photographer and it's so seasonal. 
the winter months, I was kind of like, what can I do to, you know, fill the time, stay creative? So it was always just about that. And yeah, it's crazy. Um, it's 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 really really cool but also it's so unpredictable isn't it you know you never know how it's gonna continue it's a fickle thing being online um but yeah it's it's been really really positive this year that i've made the jump to the point where i'm considering dropping weddings almost entirely unless something amazing comes along that i can't say no to in in the coming years that's exciting Mm. that's cool and yeah i'm excited for you to get to spend more of your time and energy on what you're trying to do on YouTube. Do you have any advice for people who come to me every now and then and they'll ask me, they'll be like, oh, I kind of want to start a YouTube channel. Like, do you have any advice for people that are, would maybe want to dabble in YouTube? I think aside from, you know, the, the, the obvious stuff, just get blooming started. No one's going to yeah. watch your first 10, 20, 30 100%. videos anyway. Yeah. So you may as well learn stuff. I think the thing that worked for me is I am human. I make mistakes. I leave in my bloopers. I think adding in personality is the thing that you can do that nobody else can do because nobody yeah. else is you. I think if, if you sit on a teleprompter and try and sound like Peter McKinnon or try and sound like whoever you admire, you'll only ever be the second best version of them because they already exist. Mm-hmm. So you just got to be unapologetically yourself. And if things don't go well, document it it's all part of the story yeah exactly embrace all the imperfections just go for it i 100 percent agree with that i'm like so many people i talk to i'll follow up a year later and they still have not uploaded video i'm like well you'd be like you'd be so far along now if you had just started going for it and that's uh and then being you there is so much room in the space for more people i'm constantly scrolling through youtube like i want somebody new i just want somebody different and I'm finding them every now and then, but so there's lots of room for people. If you want to jump on YouTube, we invite you. <laughs> I totally agree. And particularly in this sort of category as well, because like mm-hmm. we're interested in the photography or the videography. We don't care how old you are. We don't care what gender you are. As long as you've got something interesting to say and you're a nerd, <laughs> we're in. Yep. Welcome aboard. Yep. Well, cool. Thank you so much, Emily, for um, taking the time to talk with me. Oh, it's been a pleasure. Thank you for having me. Thanks for joining me for this episode of Happy Snappin'. I hope you found this discussion insightful. I have many more episodes in the works with creative and interesting photographers, so subscribe if you want to see more of those. I'd also love to hear your comments and thoughts about this episode and any general questions you may have or suggestions for future episodes, so please leave those. You'll find more information about this podcast along with a form for like-minded photographers and more at www.snappiness.space. All right, go out there and take pictures wherever you are and with whatever gear you have. And until next time, happy snapping.